Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Of my heroes of the faith, we have announcements. Do you believe in announcements? There's a Valentine's party. There's a, a, a I don't know what there is. There's a whole bunch of stuff. There's baptisms. If you get connected, you don't need announcements. You get to the Connection Center and go, I want everything that's happening. Give me everything that's happening. I want to go. Anyway, so Pastor Desmond, we met uh, over five, six years ago. It's free beer. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Ready? <laughs> met five years ago up in Zurich, Switzerland, and the Lord knitted our hearts together, and our families are knitted together, and our ministries are knitted together because just like us, God, 14 years ago, God called us to change the world. Amen. God told him the same exact thing in Europe. Yes. He's, he's to spark revival um, in every country. I don't know what the borders are, but you could share a little bit about that. Um, but the scenario is that God is putting the team together for his glory. And, and just the same hearts, we've been going up there and sharing. Uh, he's been coming down for years, and, and we've been meeting at different conferences around the world. But, but his joy is, is driving yesterday all the way from Jacksonville, Florida, where they invited him to preach. And he says, I need to make myself to Miami. And so he loves us. He's paid a price. He's driven six hours, eight hours <laughs> um, on, on a car and flown over on, a, on an airplane. But let's, let's have an open heart. Um, uh, a lot of you guys know him. We've, we've put uh, some of his uh, the videos on um, the projector so that you guys feel that you know him more than he knows you. But let's open up our hearts to receive from this man of God um, and that he might minister to us today. I, ho I hope you allow his ministry to be more than, than something you capture through mm. the senses. Mm. I hope that your spirit captures mm. this man's heart and the message he brings. So again, let's give him a warm welcome in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord. I've been already deeply ministered to just this morning. Um, you know, one minute in God's presence, you know, can accomplish more than 20, 30, 40 years of our labor and our dedication. And so it's just an honor to be in the house, being at Spring of Life. Uh, for me, this is a home away from home. Uh, some of you may or may not know, but um, Pastor Joaquin is one of our overseers of the church. That means I willfully and, and, and joyfully submit myself to him, make myself accountable to him. He has the absolute right to speak into my life at any level, any measure, and ask any question, uh, demand any receipts, and do anything he wants. Um, that's a freedom for me. There's only a handful of men in the world that I entrust that to. And so I want you to know that the, the, the character and the credibility of your pastor, your leader, is something that I highly, highly honor and esteem. It's not something I take for granted. It's something that I would travel around the world just to sit with them and have coffee. Because, amen. Thank you, sir. So it's a, it's a great joy. It really is. It's a, it's a pleasure and honor to be here with him. Uh, we love talking vision, talking ministry. We don't talk football. I know today's Super Bowl, but we haven't even talked about that the Giants will win. So, uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I just look for a good, good game and some good fellowship. I don't really care much for who wins, seeing that the Broncos are not there anymore. So 
No. But anyway, it's wonderful to be here. I, I, I have a sense of destiny upon the message this morning. I know that I will not be able to finish everything, but I do trust that the Lord will have uh, some things that He will highlight in your life. And I want to encourage you that whenever the anointing is upon a word that you receive, that means that with that anointing comes the grace to change. Unless we change more and more into His image, His likeness, and, 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 and really make it happen, practice what we've learned, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work in our lives. Dr. Cole used to say this, that if you, if you have a revelation and you share it five times with different people, it becomes a core value in your life, which means you'll begin to live this out. So it's wonderful to learn, but it's a whole lot better to give it on. Because the more you give it, the more it will grow. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples, the multiplication with the bread and the, and the fish. It didn't happen in the master's hand. It happened when it was back into the disciples' hands and they did something with it. And so when you do something with the truth and revelation you've received, that's when you're going to be um, life transforming. And that's the joy of being a Christian. Amen. But I bring you greetings from the most beautiful lady in the world, um, my wonderful wife, Sandy. And we've had a few things happen in our lives back in, uh, in Switzerland. And I have a few pictures just to share with you. Um, our son, Joel, got married a few weeks ago. He's our middle son. Maybe you can see a picture with him and his wife, Nicole. There they are. And uh, they gave the yes word to each other. And I was actually the minister that was able to wed them, which is a great honor, and I made it through without tears, so I, I did well with that, but um, they are just really a joy to our lives. Nicole is uh, of a Turkish mother and a Swiss father, and uh, she gave a life to the Lord a few years ago in our church, um, has, is in Bible school, uh, involved in the greeting team, and... Um, they, they're just really awesome. I love those guys. They're just doing great. All right, then also the next one we see here is at the same wedding. You see actually all of our four kids. Um, on the, my right here is uh, Justin, and he's right now at Hillsong. He's one of the leading keyboard players, and he'll be coming back at the end of the year. Um, he's still single, so ladies, just talk to me afterwards. It's about $10,000, 15000 up the asking price, so No. But anyway, he's a, he's a great guy. The next to him is his sister, Jessica. She's the oldest girl. Her and Jerry are married, and uh, they just moved back about a year ago to us, and they gave us our first grandbaby, who is um, Madison Riley, and she is going to be one-year-old next month, and I think we'll have a picture at the end of that. And of course, we have Nicole, then Joel, our middle son, and then the youngest one on the side is Janelle. And uh, she's a senior in high school, and she's going to be going to Bible school. That's her desire. She chose that above any other career or profession. She wants to proclaim the Word of God. And um, so I'm looking forward to having the uh, next Joyce Meyer in the making happening right there. <laughs> but she's been groomed well. Then anyway, here's, there's the most beautiful lady in the middle. And uh, she really makes me look good, I tell you. Having her next to my side makes me very handsome. Um, so 
That's an old farmhouse. You can see the style in the back with the wooden beams in the inside. Uh, it was a very, very pretty place. And then I think we have the next one is, there she is. This is Madison Riley. And uh, she's a miracle baby. Uh, she's really doing tremendous. She had a uh, stroke when she was in her mommy's tummy and um, was um, actually really struggled with her whole one side and uh, is developing wonderful. She's beginning to crawl now. And uh, so it's just wonderful to see how God has taken something that the enemy tried to really rob our joy, but now has returned. I mean, has, God's turned this whole thing around to where she's just become an absolute joy, a blessing, and she's becoming more and more whole every day. So praise the Lord. That's wonderful. All right. Amen. God is faithful. And um, I do have a word for you this morning, I believe. And am I in the company of world changers? Is this? All right. Amen. Just wanted to make sure I'm in the, I'm in the right place. But for you to be able to live a world-changing life, God's going to have to change some things in you and in me. Amen? You know, this morning when, when Pastor was praying for the, the different people, I do believe there's some that were standing. You were standing in faith. You know, you were, you were standing out of a positional truth, not out of a reality. And that's okay, but we should not fake ourselves it's easy in the presence of others to go ahead and say, well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I'm seen in heavenly places. That's all wonderful. That's all called, as theologians, we say it's positional truth, which means it's, it's factual truth. It's, it's, it's a documented, covenantal truth. But the reality, which is basically the, the, uh, the, the living truth, that's maybe where you're at. And sometimes we have to realize that we're not, in, in a sense of... of not all the bills are paid. Not everything is the way it should be, but we're actually in a real world fighting real struggles, and we are overcoming in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. So we're still living that and working that out. And sometimes it's okay to say, you know what? I know who I am in Christ. I know what God did for me on the cross, and I know, and I'm on my way there, my journey, but right now I am hurting. You know, and that's an encouragement to be honest you know, not to lie, but to be honest and to say, I'm on my journey. I'm going to get there, you know, and things are changing and working around. So anyway, I believe that God has a vision, a world-changing vision for each one of you in your lives. I believe God has a picture of your life. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, Jeremiah 29, look at verse 11. It's actually a very well-known scripture for, for most of you know this. And um, this is when Jeremiah the prophet was actually encouraging all those that were, you know, in captivity. And uh, it was a very difficult time. Uh, the economy was bad. Uh, they didn't like the president. Uh, not many jobs were, you know, opening up and houses were being repossessed, kind of like what's happening today. So it was not the best of lands and the best of times. But in verse 11, the prophet says this to the people. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God says, I know some things about you. I know some things that concern you. How many knew that know that God knows you better than you know you? God knows you. God knows what you need better than what you think you need. 
God knows where you're going, where you came from. He knew you before the foundations of the earth, the Bible says. So he knows you very well. He knows you on the outside. He knows you on the inside. He knows every aspect of your life, every thought, every attitude. And he says here, I know the thoughts I have towards you, the Lord says, thoughts of peace and not thoughts of evil. God has not got one bad thought about you. There's not one evil thought he thinks about you. So if you have a hard time believing that God loves you, that he's here to care for you, that he really wants to build you up and do something with your life, if, if you're not seeing that, then you're listening to somebody else. But you're not listening to God. Because God very clearly says that his thoughts for you are good thoughts, higher thoughts. He wants to bring you up. He wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage you, strengthen you, take you from the low place to a high place. He's got great thoughts for you to give you a future and a hope. In other words, God wants to raise the expectation that you have in your life. God wants you to, 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 to move from where you're stuck at to a place where you can reign. This right now is, is, is training for reigning. And reigning, not so much reigning in heaven, no, no, reigning here on earth. Amen? All right. Well, there's a few things I want you to, to and we'll see how far we can go, but there's a few points I've written down here. And one is, says that in order for you to understand God's picture for your life, God sees you a certain way. God, God does not see you the way you used to be, the way you were. God sees you the way he wants you to be. God sees you where you should be, how you should be, who you should become. That's, that's what he looks at. And he's going he's gonna to focus and focus, and, and, and until it all lines up with what he has for you, he's going to work on you. And that's a good thing. Amen. Aren't you glad that God hasn't given up on you yet? I am so glad that God has not given up on me yet. And one thing, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been in the, I don't know, I'm 51 years old. I've been in the ministry probably since I was about, I don't know, 18, 19, somewhere there, 20 maybe. And, uh, and I've learned one thing. The, the, the longer I serve him, the little I know. The longer I serve him, the more I realize there's nothing I can do that God goes, wow. <laughs> I used to think that I can wow God, but, you know, his, he, he wows me <laughs> before I even open my eyes in the morning. And it's so wonderful to see you know, how God does it in our lives. I realized this morning when Pastor was praying, a word that the Lord spoke to us in our church um, probably just about, I don't know, two or three months ago. And he laid it on my heart for the city of Zurich and, and, and where we have our, our fellowship. He says that there are sheep without a shepherd. And, um, and my heart began to break. My heart began to just, just, just cry and get heavy for those sheep without a shepherd. That means basically Christians out there that have no church where they belong to. They have no, no spiritual home where they're planted into. And that is probably one of the most frustrating places that any person can find themselves. Is when they know God, they're with God, they love God, but they, 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 they are not plugged in. They're not in the place where they can grow and they can flourish. It's like a plant. Taking a plant out of a, a, a um, what's it called, a... Um, a top, a pot, what's it? Pot, no, a pot you smoke. No, oh, the other pot, okay. Um, <laughs> if it comes outside of the, the, the plant pot, 
then um, it begins to die. It cannot survive in those conditions. We've not been designed to survive outside of the church. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Amen. All right, anyway, believe who you are. Believe who God says you are. Believe who God says you are. Do we really believe that what God says about you is true? I mean, do, do we really believe that? You know, the only scripture that you'll act upon is a scripture that you believe. You will not act on anything that you don't believe. There's a saying we have in Switzerland, you know, what the farmer doesn't know, he won't eat. In other words, you know, if you don't know something, you'll reject it. You'll, you will not embrace it. And, and that means you, you won't change. You're not going to be up for something new. But it's just absolutely amazing. If we don't, and we are called believers, aren't we? I mean, it should be easy for us to believe. But if we don't believe what God says about us, if we don't believe that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if we don't believe that we have been blessed with spiritual blessings, if we don't believe that we have the mind of Christ, if we don't believe that we have the gifts and the talents and the callings of God to fulfill our destiny, if we don't believe those things, that we have the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us, that he shows us things to come, if we don't believe that, what are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the circumstances and all the different situations around us? Will those things dictate our lives and dictate our mood? Some of you, I think, just need to resign from bad days. You're just going to give notice. That's it. I'm, I will never again in my life have a bad day. Never again. I will never have a bad day. There is no bad days in my life anymore. Desmond, you cannot live that way. I did this years ago. And you know what? It may have not changed the situations. Things still have come, come across me and, and, and affected me, but bottom line is, I did not allow those things to dictate how the way I feel. Amen? Amen? Because I'm a believer, and I believe what God says about me more so than I believe what the enemy says. Believe there's a plan for your life. You have been specially designed. You've been handmade. You've been hand-selected, and God has given you the perfect giftings and callings and talents and the perfect experiences and background. You've been born in the right family at the right time, at the right place. So you can fulfill what he has for you. He said, Desmond, you did, not, you did not just say that. You don't know how I was raised and what hell I went through and all that. You know what? It does not matter. None of us in this room has had the perfect childhood had the perfect home. None of us. If you say, Desmond, you don't know what I've been through? I know what you've been through. The same thing I've been through. You've been through the gates of salvation, and the Bible says old things have passed away, and all things have become new. That's what you've been through. And we can do it like Adam and start blaming and looking and pointing and all that, but you know, if we say no, that's okay. Whatever happened, I'm not looking there. Paul says, I'm pressing in towards the mark of the calling of the high of the high calling Christ Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I'm pressing in because there is a future. There's an expected hope. There's some good thoughts that he has for you. And he wants you to go there. And he wants you to fulfill that. He wants you to at the end of your life be able to say, I've run the race. I've fulfilled my call. I've done everything it's called me to do. Let me take one more last breath and I'll step over into glory. <sighs> and then go. Now wouldn't that be something? I don't know about you, but that's the way I want to go. It's like one guy said, he says, I want to go like my grandfather, perfectly in his sleep, not a worry in the world. 
I don't like the three poor guys in the car screaming their lungs out <laughs> with him. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. All right. <laughs> Did you know, because you have a plan upon your life and God has a vision for your life, that whatever God does in your life, and this will really help you, whatever God does, whatever God says to you, the way he deals with you is all in line with the vision and the plan for your life. That means he's going to talk to you differently than you because there's different plans and different visions, different pictures. But he's going to maybe say the same thing but say it differently. Why? Because we are all different. And it is absolutely ridiculous for me to expect that he's going to talk to my brother the same way he talks to me. And if I'm going to try and force the way he does it with me on him, he's going to be frustrated. I've got to give him the liberty and the freedom to see God, get in his face, and get face to face with God, and to, and to really get a hold of the word, what it says to him, and not the way it says to me. Is that right? That's what, that's what religion does. Religion says you've got to worship the way I worship. You've got to say the things I say. You've got to dress the way I dress. You've got to just do it my way. And at the end, we'll all do it the same way. It's all wonderful and happy. Well, that's, that is not what God said. Amen? He wants to reach you at the point of your need. There is a plan that God has for your life. And nobody else on the face of this earth, nobody else is equipped as good as you are to fulfill your plan. So you cannot wait for somebody else to come and do it better. There is nobody else. You are it. He's put everything upon you, in you, and around you for you to fulfill the plan he has for your life. You say, well, Desmond, what's the plan? Well, that's a great question to ask him. Amen? How do we, how do we find these things out? Well, you know, the second thing I want you to understand is that God works on your character. Because your character is going to lack the roads, lack the map you know, upon which you're going to be moving around in your life. That's, that's, that's the way he's going, to, he's going to direct you. It's kind of like the GPS on the streets outside. So he wants to work with your character because once the roads are established, you can move on those roads, and you can go from one place to the next place. But if you don't have any roads, I just drove down from, from uh, Jacksonville um, yesterday. Thank God for highways. Thank God. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, <laughs> dirt, and, and if I had a horse and just go on a horse like in the olden days or a mule or something, that would have been not much fun. I prefer the air-conditioned highway, you know, radio. Those are all nice things. I didn't like the way they did in the old days. Glad I was born in, in this day and age. Amen? Your character is the road upon which you'll travel. Now, if your road is not very strong, and if your road is full of potholes and, 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 and you know, other junk, whatever else, and no tar, you know, then that means you're going to go ahead and you're going to start building a road. You're going to build something that's stronger, something you can actually put some weight on, and, and it'll hold you in the storm and in the, in the sunshine and the snow and whatever else you have. That's what God says. I want to look at the character. What is character? Character, my definition of character is this. Character is, is when you can follow through on a decision you've made after the emotion of making that decision has passed. 
It's easy in church to make a decision. Yes, I will get up every morning, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and I'm going to go ahead and pray for one hour, glory be to God. And then tomorrow morning rolls up and you've had a hard nap because the kids were waking up at night and whatever else happened, and so you only had about four hours of sleep, and God says, "Mm mm-hmm, what was this about one hour in the morning, hallelujah? Oh, God, uh, maybe tomorrow. No, 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 I'll tell you. Don't feel guilty about that, but I want to just say this. God wants to develop your character. Part of the character is like walking in love. Have you ever prayed that prayer? You ever said, you ever says, you know what, God? I want to I walk in love with people. <laughs> the moment you pray that prayer, you know what's going to happen? He's going to send the meanest person across your way. Why? Because you've asked for that. You said, help me to develop my love walk with others. Or you say, help me build my faith. What's going to happen? You're going to have plenty of opportunities around you to build your faith. So be careful what you ask God because he may give it to you. Amen. <laughs> All right. I see you just dancing on the chairs right now. But we've got to be careful. If we try to have ministry before character, that means that we are trying to go out, you know, and, and, and do something without having the equipment to do it. God is more interested in your character, the development of your heart, the renewing of your mind. He's more interested in that than he actually is interested in you doing something for him. Amen. Remember the story about the guy that inherited a million dollars? And he went to this wise man and said to him, listen, I, I want some advice, uh, what to do with my million dollars. Can you just give me some advice? I uh, just inherited lots of money. And the wise man said this to him, well, my rec- you know, recommendation is that you become a millionaire. Oh, no, no, I've got the money, it's in the bank, and, and it's, it's all there. And he says, no, 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 my recommendation is you become a millionaire. So he says, well, please explain. He says, well, a millionaire is not somebody who has a million in the bank. A millionaire is somebody... In the process of time of obtaining his first million, he became a millionaire. So if you would take the million away from a millionaire within a matter of one, two, three years, he'll be having another million. Why? Because he is a millionaire. The example with the lottery. You go ahead and, and give somebody, you know, $15 million, and, but he's only a $60,000 a year man. What's going to happen? In a short time, he will reduce that money, the millions, down to 60000 or even less. Why? Because he doesn't have the capacity to be a millionaire, to handle that money. That's why the same thing with God. God says, if you want to handle the million, the ministry, the impact, the vision God's given you, you first have to become that person of influence, of reaching the people, of being a world changer. World changing happens in your heart before it happens out there. You've got to believe that he's going to go ahead and massage your heart and change and sizzle some things off there and prepare you on the inside so he can make the outside fit the inside. But if it's the other way around and we step out and try to do the outside before the inside, we know different than some religions that lay the emphasis on the outside with a big robe and a tall hat and a big stick with a crook atop. Are you listening? It's important that we allow Him to work on our character. And there are situations in life, and if you are not going to pass the test about your character being transformed and being worked on, you're not going to move on. 
We have adult people sitting in first grade. And God says, I want you so bad to move on. But we're not passing the test. We think that through our charisma and through our connections and through our money and through our prestige and through whatever other reasons we maybe think is important, we can wiggle our way around there and get promoted. And God says, no way. It's only if you pass the test of character. <laughs> Are you loving me still? I talk to my people just the way I talk to you. So, I mean, this, this, this is not that I'm... I'm not angry at all. I'm just saying, you know, I want you really, really, really to get there. My, 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 my biggest pleasure in life is to see somebody fulfill what God's called them to do. We have, we have four kids. We have four kids, you know, two, what do you call those, in-law kids or what do they call those? They're not the natural kids. They married into the family. You know, all of our kids love the Lord, are serving God in some capacity in the local church. And never once, never once did my wife and I push them to do that. Never. In contrary, we said to them, listen, you do whatever you want to do. You can be an accountant. You know, you can be, I don't know, a pilot. You can do whatever you want to do. Just be the best you can and serve God with that. So we've never pushed ministry. We've never pushed all that kind of stuff. And yet they're excited about God and they love God. And trust me, I have not always been the hero in my family. My, my kids know my good side and my bad side. My kids know both the sins I committed in the last 40 years. Just kidding. All right. So we have to believe that God has a plan for our life. Believe that there's a character that he wants to develop. What else do we have to do with God when it comes to the moving in our, in our lives? Well... I think God gives us a vision by His Spirit. I think God gives us a picture. God wants to give us an, an, an insight. God wants to give us a picture of who we are to be. And that's why we, we, we come across people like, you know, Pastor Joaquin and, and Yvette and, and others, leaders. God places us in a body where there's mature leadership that we can model our lives according to them. And if we don't know what to do in a certain decision, we can go ask. What do I do in this decision? Help me think this through. Help me look at my options. Help me understand, you know, what's the best way to do it. And, and, and help me think through the consequences and, and, and talk about these things and pray through these things. How do I pray about my job decision? How do I pray about my promotions? How do I pray about my neighbor that doesn't like me? How do I, how do I handle these things? The teacher at school that's bullying my son and my daughter. How do I work with these things? These are life issues. But all of them are the ones that will help us develop our character. And all of them are part of, of, of forming a picture of who we are and who God wants us to be. And the more we begin to start seeing ourselves the way He sees us, the more we begin to be God-like, Christ-like, and Word-like. And the biggest joy is that we can be a word to somebody else. Is that we can be an open letter read by all men. When they can read your life, and your life actually tells a story how to help them fulfill what God's called them to do. It's really not rocket science. It is the biggest joy in life when we can get to the point of influencing other people for Christ. And others can get closer to Christ because of our life and the way we think and the way we talk. I am absolutely amazed. 
you know, we've, we have a marriage ministry. We do marriage seminars um, all around Europe. And uh, God walked into my living room in November of 1998. And I was in business. I was doing very well. We're living just north of Indianapolis in a place called Fishers. And um, life was good. The kids were in Christian schools. And, you know, typical thing. You got two cars, nice house, and six-figure income. And, you know, my bonus alone I mean, in a few months would have been about a quarter million dollars. So I was, I, was, I was doing very well. I loved life. I was involved in the church, and I was one of the associate pastors, and I was overseeing five departments, even though I was working hard. And, and so it was, it was wonderful. And then in the middle of my prayer time, one morning, God steps into my living room. I'm sitting on the couch, and it just this presence stands right here. I glance over. I see him from his waist down, and I knew it was the Lord, and I hit the carpet. And this bright light just began to fill the room. And even though I had my eyes tightly closed or wide open, it did not change the brightness. And the brightness was so bright, but yet it was pleasant. It was soothing. It was not something that would blind me. And inside that brightness, I had no depth perception. You could have been four feet away or four miles away. I could not even judge the distance. You know 3D? Try a million D. It was a realm I, I didn't even know existed. Can't even describe it to you today. And he gave me one sentence. He said, Desmond, take my word and my anointing from the Mediterranean Sea to the Norwegian Sea and from the Ukrainian border to the Atlantic Ocean. That's the continent of Europe. I had no idea where the Norwegian Sea was. First thing I did, I looked at the map and said, where is the Norwegian Sea? I knew Norway's in the north somewhere. I had no idea where it was. The others I kind of knew. And so um, I'm looking at this and thinking, God, this is, this is not just a... a, a a county or a city, this is a continent. I said, God, give me, give me a plan. Give me, give me something that I can do to do this. I, mean, I didn't even know where to start. I knew four people in Europe, four ministers. That's it. But I have to start somewhere. And so God gave me a vision, and he showed me a pizza. Simple visions for simple men. He said, son, what is this? He said, uh, <laughs> I knew it wasn't much of a trick question. I thought, it's a pizza. He says, what do you do with a pizza? So I saw myself cutting into pieces of eights with a little knife in the wheel. And um, the moment I finished that, one of the slices just kind of lifted off, you know, from the, the, the pan. And he says, if you can be the best slice I've called you to be, you will fulfill the rest. Or you will fit in with the rest of my plan. And I knew in my spirit what that meant. That meant whatever he's going to give me, be faithful. Whatever door opens up that he's going to lead me through, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Because it's obedience that releases promotion and blessing. It's not giftings and talents. Did you know that? If I will give, if I will give, <clears throat> all right, let's say I've get, I don't know, here's, Here's a few bucks. So I'm going to give, give that to him, whatever that is. I don't know, maybe five, ten bucks. Now, I'm going to give him that gift, okay? He's grateful. I mean, he's smiling. He says, like, <laughs> yes. What does that gift 
tell you about him. He's a blessed man. Okay, what else? What does it say about his character, about his person, about... The gift says nothing about him. It says everything about the one giving the gift. Right? So your giftings and your talents and your calling says nothing about you. It says everything about the one who gave it. Right? And you can... You can have that, by the way. You can, you can go ahead and you can say... Pastor, have you noticed my teaching gift? Have you noticed people look at me the way, the way they treat me, the respect? Have you, have you seen that? <laughs> you know, I used to, I used to play that game. I, I did. I used to give the usher 20 bucks and so he can put me in the front row at the, at the conventions and all that. And, you know, I used to be up there and, and, and when, when the guest speaker comes down, you know, praying he's going to have a word for me and, 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 and give me a personal prophecy, a personal word. I used to believe for that and ask God for that. And I'm thinking, you know what? Every time that happened, all hell broke loose. Every time God gave me a personal word, I mean, all my life was just going, going one way. And that word was tested. And it took me about five, six, seven years just to, to really figure that one out. That that is the last resort, how God speaks. That he wants to speak to me in my spirit, through his word, in my prayer time. That's where he wants to speak to me. And if I'm not listening, he may send, you know, my wife or somebody else. And if I'm still not listening, he'll pull me out of a congregation and prophesy. So I really get it. And I had a whole thing reversed. I thought that was the highest call. I thought that was the highest way God can speak to me, saying, oh, you know, you shall do this and you shall do that. I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, God is really all over me, man. Did you guys all see that? I just had my glory. I know, none of you have ever done that. I know, I know. This is just something Pastor and I did when we were still younger. Anyways. <laughs> all right. But God's going to give you a vision. God's going to give you a picture. God's going to show you something that's formed in your prayer time, formed in your intimacy time. You will not be able to give birth to something in your life, a vision, a purpose, say whatever, unless you can be intimate. Intimacy precedes birth. Have you figured that one out yet? Intimacy before birth. You don't have birth without intimacy. All the parents said? Amen. Amen. We have to be intimate with him before we can be pregnant with a vision and give birth to it. God bless you, sir. All right, I got a friend out there. Okay, how much time do we have? About 10 minutes, 5 minutes? Okay. Um, all right, where am I? Um, Giving a vision. Um, give the next slide. God's plan for your, give you a new vision for life. What's the next one? That's it? All right. You know, one thing that God will do, he's going to speak to you the vision by his spirit. That means you're going to have to learn the language of the spirit. And the Bible is the language of the spirit. When you go to a country... 
when pastor comes to Switzerland, you know, there is a language that is spoken there, Swiss German or High German, and if he does not know the language, he needs to have a interpreter. He needs to have a translator that helps him. Now, if he would learn that language, he could have an influence that's going to be a lot broader, a lot bigger, a lot greater on his own that he can do, right? Now, that's the way God would lead. It's wonderful. But here's what I'm saying. For you to be able to understand the language of God, you need God's Word. That's why it's important for every Christian, I believe, to have a dedicated time in their life de devoted to the studying of God's Word. If that means a Bible school, if that means an intense whatever study, ask your pastor what the best is for you. But you've got to get to the point where you can have a, a dedicated time, a period of life when you can really in-depth yourself in the study of God's Word. Because that's going to give you a language, and that language is what the Holy Spirit speaks when He talks to you about your vision, your plan, your future. If we know that language, we can hear Him. If we know that language, we can commune with Him and talk with Him. And intimacy becomes a lot more precious, a lot more wonderful when we speak the same language. When my wife and I first got married, you know, and... Um, <laughs> It was about, I don't know, maybe a week or so into our, 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 our marriage, and we've only, you know, spent maybe five, six nights together. And she says to me, she says, you know what, you, you, you spoke in your sleep last night. I said, oh, really, what did I say? She says, I don't know, it was in German. And I said, was there any names in this? She goes, no, there was no names in this, you know, talking in your sleep. <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> but... She couldn't understand, now she would, but back then she couldn't understand what I was saying because I was talking a different language. It is so important, folks, that if we want to fulfill the vision and the plan that God has for your life, you've got to know the Word. You've got to know what the Bible says about you, what the Bible says about your plans and the future God has for you, that you know what He is and who He is and what His voice is. There was an exercise that I did many, many years ago when I was in Bible school in 1984. I went ahead and for three days, I acted out as if the Holy Spirit was a person in my life. The teacher gave us the example. He says, some of you need to do this just to kind of prove to your mind that, that he is out there and he's a real person. So I did that. I was single. I had nothing to lose. And so everything was fine in the morning, having cereal and, you know, putting him in the car and buckling him up and all that. I did all those things. And then I came to work and I had 42 employees. I got them all together. I said, folks, I just need to introduce you to somebody who's going to be with us for the next three days. Very special person in my life. Uh, would you all please welcome the Holy Spirit? And I mean, they knew I was a Christian, but they thought, okay, now this has gone just a little bit too far. And so I would open the door in the office and would show him in, and they would be working and looking at me like, you know, this guy has really gone too far with this. But I learned after three days his voice. Because for three days, I verbally spoke to him, and sometimes I audibly heard what he was saying. We were communing and commuting and going back. It was, it was, it was awesome. At the end of the three days, I don't know if you maybe heard me give this testimony last time, but at, at the end of the three days, I drove from Bible school back to my house, which is about a 10-minute drive. And in those 10 minutes drive, he says, I'm going to go back home a different way. And he says, turn left, turn right, turn left. And for about 45 minutes, I went left, right, left, right. And it was just a confusing time. But I just tried every time I heard something to obey it. 
And at the end, I got to my house, maybe about, I don't know, six, five houses away from my home, and um, he says, stop. This is about 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 at night. He says, go inside this little dark alley, and in there you'll find a man who's drunk. And I want you to tell the man that God loves him, and I love him, and I forgive him. And so I'm walking inside this little alleyway, and long story short, I see the man. He sobers up completely. He's beginning to cry after I told him what, what the Lord told me. And I'm walk, walking back to, I prayed with him, and he was actually a pastor who stole money from the offering and felt so guilty. He ran away from the church, ran away from the family, and, uh, and, and afterwards we were able to restore him and, and to pray with him, and he was going to go back and make right, and it was a powerful, powerful time. So I'm going back in the car, and I'm, I'm feeling like, give me an ocean and I'll split it. I mean, I was like, whoo, you know, I want to walk in water. I mean, God was just powerful, you know, and so I get in the car, and I close the door, and the moment that car door closed, it was like the presence of God just was so strong in that car, I could hardly breathe. I mean, I remember I sat there. I mean, it was so heavy. I didn't want to move a, an eyelid. I mean, it was like just let's not move, don't breathe, nothing. I mean, God was all over that place. And he spoke so clear to me. He says, Desmond, if you cannot obey the left, right, left, right, you will never see my power. And I thought, wow, if we can obey the small things in life, if we can be faithful to the small little left, right, left, right, that's what qualifies us to see the big thing of God and the powerful thing of God. God has a plan for your life. God has a vision that he wants you to see, a picture the way you're supposed to be. God's working on your character. That's the number one thing he wants to form. And God wants to speak it to you by his spirit, which is through his word. And you need to, need to, need to get more in the Word of God. Get a Bible daily reading plan. Get it on tape, on audio, in the car, however you can do it. But you've got to begin to saturate yourself more and more and more with the Bible so you can learn the language of the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all those things together, you will fulfill the destiny upon your life and be a world changer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your anointing, your presence. Thank you, Father, that you reveal and make your purposes known. And Father, right now, this place here is an altar for us where we can consecrate some of the things and of our shortcomings and some of those things that have sidetracked us. But Father, we dedicate and we present our lives a living sacrifice before you. And we say, here am I. Choose me. Take me, Father. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want you to show me and to open the eyes of our understanding that I can see the way you see me, that I can get a picture of what kind of a character that you want me to have. And Lord, that I can be open and sensitive to your leading. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to me. Help me to understand your word, to learn your word, to speak your word. So that that word that I speak will never return void, but will always accomplish those things which has been sent to do. And Father, count me in. I'm a world changer. Count me on the team. I don't care if I'm going to be on the bench first or what I'll do or just practice first. But Father, I'm a world changer, and I believe that there's a destiny to be fulfilled in my life. And so, Father, I'm excited about this. I am super focused. I am extremely focused. Nothing and nobody and no career and no paycheck and nothing else will ever be able to challenge or sidetrack me from what you have for me in my life. And Father, I choose to now give you all the glory and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.